When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of Masters coverage this week, of course, New Zealand, and it just wouldn't be right to save uh, my most important guest as we preview the Masters. He's a wonderful analyst. We've had him on the show before, journalist, and of course uh, an important part of the commentary team for the New Zealand Open recently down there in Queenstown. You're becoming part of the furniture at the New Zealand Open, Bruce. Oh, I have been for quite some time, Steph. Good to talk to you. Um, yeah, it's such a special event, really. I mean, I've done a lot of on-course commentary over the years, but uh, I still managed to get a gig there, and I love being involved in that tournament. It really is um, quite a great, a really well-run tournament. Um, it's just such a special location, special venue, and it's nice to be part of that. But, uh, yeah, I've caddied, uh, either caddied or attended or been a journalist at or commentated and probably... I don't know. I was counting them up the other day, something like 35 of the last 50 New Zealand Opens, the very first one being uh, the one that Peter Thompson won in, uh, in, at Bell McEwen or the Otago Golf Club back in 1971. So it goes back a long way. I've got a fair amount of history in that tournament, but I love the tournament and I certainly love the aspect or the, the, the dimension that it has now. It almost goes back as far as the first Masters, which is the newest of the majors, but <laughs> for some reason, so easy. yeah, even though it's the youngest, <laughs> it seems to be the one that attracts the most attention. First question for you. Ryan Fox is playing his first Masters. Um, people just put the line through golfers playing their first Masters. There's only ever been three first-time winners in my research. The one that won the first one, so that's by default. Yeah, the Holden guy, Smith, yeah, that's right, isn't it? The guy that won the second one, and Fuzzy Zeller. So it pretty much doesn't exactly happen. Exactly right. Pretty much doesn't happen. Yeah. But, so what's going to be the biggest thing for Ryan Fox to combat at Augusta? Well, just that very aspect that you raised, I think the fact that people have to learn the nuances and subtleties of Augusta National, it's it's a a very unique golf course in so many respects. It's not only a case of knowing where to... Uh, what are flags to attack, but what are flags, what flags not to attack, where to, where to miss it, as they often say. Uh, and uh, we saw Ryan's game last year develop significantly on the European Tour, the DP World Tour, when he finished runner-up to Rory McIlroy in the standings there. And I think his game has matured and gone to a whole new level as a result of that. He's still got that powerful game, which will be of some benefit on holes like, for example, holes like 8, 13 and 15. But... Um, it's going to be a huge learning curve for him. I actually think, Staff, that he's done pretty well on the two or three events that he's played on the PGA Tour. He finished pretty well at uh, the Arnold Palmer Tournament. I think he had a top 20 there. He, he did okay at the players, really. He was top 30 there, I think, at the mm-hmm. players. So I think he's been doing okay. But these, this is a whole new circumstance. And uh, I think if he can you know, make the cut and finish midfield, uh, I think it'll be a very good result for him and form the base for ongoing opportunities at the Masters because you think now that the level that his game's at, he's going to be regularly invited back because of his standing in the world. And uh, I think this will be a huge learning curve for him. But I'm just so pleased that New Zealanders are going to get to see one of their own playing the Masters for the first time. I think since Danny Lee back in 2016 after a win that he had on the PGA Tour the previous year. And of course, Danny also played it back 
uh, what, 2009 after winning the US Amateur in 2008. So New Zealanders playing the Masters in recent years have been very rare, but um, a great opportunity. And so it's so beautifully covered the tournament, isn't it, in every respect. And again, a great opportunity to see, hopefully we'll see a bit of uh, Ryan in action throughout the course of the throughout the course of the week yeah and the amazing thing is I love Ryan's honesty he had a practice round last week or the week before and he said he doesn't even remember playing the golf um, he played around but he just said he was just taking it all in and he's just amazed and he's really pleased he did that rather than wait till mm. Masters week um, because I think everyone that qualifies for the tournament gets a practice round so he's done that so let's take the mystique and the pressure and everything of the Masters away if we can the golf course itself is still a unique golf course from anywhere in the world oh very much uh it's uh it's got so many subtleties sometimes not so subtle either you know some of the the movement in the greens the pace of the greens um it's not well it's become a long golf course in more recent years in fact i just heard fred ridley talking this morning about it the chairman of augusta national saying that it was probably only in about 2002 where they actually took the dramatic step to really increase the length of the golf course but prior to that even when tiger woods back won back in 1997 for you know won that amazing performance there and when he won, what did he won by twelve shots or something? But, but even back then, it was about it was still measuring only about sixty nine hundred or seven thousand yards. These days, it's up around seven thousand. I don't know, it's about seven thousand five hundred yards, and holes like eleven more especially, but others as well. And they've added a little bit of yardage this year with the likes of the thirteenth, the tee being taken back there, thirty yards or so. So. It is a it's a it's a much longer golf course than it's been in the past. Um, but I think it's. Um, yeah, it, it's probably very difficult to do, as you say, and take away that mystique. And for, for Ryan, as a kid growing up, he's probably watched the Masters every year for, for probably 20, 30 years or so. Um, and and we've, we've become blessed in more recent years, Steph, because we've been able to see a lot more of the golf course than was mm. the case in the early days. We only got to see the final nine holes, but we see it now. We know just about every hole on the golf course now because of the amazing coverage it gets. And... Um, it's an amazing popular tournament. I wrote a piece this morning about the parallels between the Melbourne Cup and the Masters. And the reason that I said that is because they're both sporting events which gain the attention of a wider audience than just those involved in the sport. It really does uh, attract everybody becomes an expert this week, and that's fantastic. Uh, but it is just one of those tournaments that really captures the imagination of the sporting world far and beyond just those of the, those golf fans. Um, everyone's talking Scheffler, McElroy, a uh, little bit of Ram. Um, outside of those three, Bruce, as we're hurriedly running out of time, as we always do with you, outside of those three, <laughs> is there a real threat? Um, can you na- label us a couple? Well, look, I, I, I can't really go past McElroy and Scheffler because of the fact that the form, especially Scheffler's in, he's the defending champion. McElroy's got the pressure, I guess, of trying to complete a grand slam, and he carries the burden as the flag bearer in some respects for the PGA Tour side of the live PGA Tour argument. So there's a bit of pressure there. But I think at some stage McElroy's going to win this tournament, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if this week, and I think Scotty Scheffler, there are no prizes for that. They're both the favourite. But I think... 
for mine, if I was trying to find a bit of value beyond them, I think Jason Day seems to be peaking again now after being outside the top 150 last year. He's now inside the top 35 or so. Uh, he's played beautifully at Augusta National in the past. He was runner-up there on debut back in 2011. And if I was trying to find a player for slightly longer odds, staff, you know, it would be Sung Jae M. And the reason that I say that, the Korean golfer, mm. is because he finished runner-up uh, on debut three or four years ago. He was going along nicely in the second round about two years ago and took nine at the 15th and missed the cut. But then he finished eighth last year and he's playing playing pretty solidly this year. So he's at about $40. If I was trying to find some value, Sung Jae M is the one. But uh, it's hard to go past McElroy and Scheffler as the likely winners. And I think Jason Day with his uh, record at Augusta National and the fact that he's starting to play with confidence now, those are the players that I'll be having a little bit of an investment on just for interest sake. Beautiful. Bruce, uh, this is the week, the only weekend of the year I set my alarm on a Saturday and Sunday morning, but I never regret <laughs> it. Uh, I really appreciate your time, buddy, as always. Uh, enjoy the Masters. Always a pleasure, Steph. Cheers.